I give thanks for being with you this morning. I thank Reverend Lori for her kind invitation to come and speak to you during this Black History Month. I am black, and I do have some history. Um, so here I am. I just started reading Jim Wallace's new book, America's Original Sin. About halfway through the second chapter, I put the book down. I put the book down not because it's a bad book or it's horribly written, quite the contrary. The book is simply too much. It's too much information that begins to hurt my brain cells. Too much information that reminds me that I am the mother of two young adult men, 22 and 24, which sometimes can invoke a great deal of anxiety, which can on occasion turn into outright fear. And then it makes me angry. It makes me angry that I have no control over the anxiety I fear, I feel, the fear I have. I spend times wondering if my sons are all right with one in college in New Brunswick and the other one living and working in the Florida Panhandle. I think about my great nephew in Maryland. I think about my brother. I think about my nephews. I think about my cousins. I think about the men who work for me and the sons of the women that we serve at the shelter. These days, I also think about those sons and brothers and nephews and cousins who are totally unknown to me, but I know known to God. Long before Trayvon Martin was shot and killed in Florida in 2012, there have been untold deaths of primarily young black men that went largely unnoticed in the national news. Since Trayvon's death, we've had a little bit more insight what goes on in some of our communities. There have been more than a handful of deaths of young black men and women, all by law enforcement or because of some law enforcement action which later resulted in a death with unknown or mysterious circumstance. These have been in the headlines. Each time another story comes, I become a bit more indignant, a bit more disillusioned by what looks like an outright assault on people of color, mostly African Americans, but let's be certain these actions are and have been happening to most people of color. And the question that comes to my mind is when? When will the brutality, the assaults, the shootings stop? When? Wallace's book is important. It's important because, once again, it propels us to have the real conversation on America's original sin, racism. Back in 1987, in a cover story for Sojourners magazine, the article was called America's Original Sin, The Legacy of White Racism. Wallace wrote, the United States of America established as a white society founded upon the near genocide of another race and then the enslavement of yet another. Leave no doubt 
this was not a well-accepted article. He didn't get flowers sent to him. Wallace said, this was probably the most controversial statement or sentence he had ever spoken. At the end of the day, Wallace simply made a historical statement based on facts. He has never said anything as controversial, even when he was talking about abortion, same-sex, the wars in Vietnam or Iraq, presidential elections, or anything to do with national or church politics. Racism, no matter how you try to discuss it, is a hot and incendiary topic that makes us uncomfortable. Yet, it is the one topic that we more often than not both consciously and unconsciously choose to run from, usually screaming internally. And because of this, along with our fear, and not real unwillingness, but unwillingness, because we're afraid, to really break racism down, we limit our ability to make any real movement with it. Don't get me wrong. We've had a lot of forward movement, but we've had a lot of standing still. As Christians, we must come to understand that racism is deeply rooted in sin, which goes far deeper than just making accusations, taking political stands, or engaging in partisan maneuvering, name-calling, or blaming. And because we're Christians, each and every one of us, each and every one of us is called to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe despite our uncomfortableness, our fear and, and anxiety, and be bearers of the gospel message no matter the consequence. Racial healing is a commitment right from the heart of the gospel. If we say we belong to Christ, that we represent Christ, that we choose love over hate the way Christ taught us, then the real mission of racial reconciliation lands squarely on every one of our shoulders, doesn't it? Clearly, I am not white. Surprised? The point is, I cannot speak from the perspective of a white person, just as a white person can't speak from the perspective of a black person, although we heard something weird in the news this year about maybe that did happen, but really it didn't happen. Because no matter what, and how you try to whatever, pass, whatever, you still don't have that experience to speak from that place. You can try, I'm not saying it's impossible, but if we're being honest, it's not something that can really happen. So we can't speak from the place of another person's uh, race. One of the most basic differences between white and black perspectives is that many white, many, not all, many white Americans see the killings of a Trayvon Martin, a Freddie Gay, an Eric Gardner, a Michael Brown, a Sandra Bland as unfortunate incidents based on individual circumstances. However, most black Americans see these killings 
up against a myriad of systems and barriers that devalue their lives over white lives. Each time another incident hits the national news, the sense of helplessness merely increases. What most of us miss are those incidents that happen daily in our communities or communities that are near us. Unless we're there or we know somebody, we don't hear about what's going on. But be clear, people are dying, people are losing their rights. We don't know about the deaths or the adverse law enforcement encounters, but we do know that each time one of these actions happen, it strips away at the already frayed fabric of a community generally already in distress. In far too many communities across the country, we just need to stop right here, Jersey City, or Newark and Irvington, where the majority of the clients I serve come from, about the disintegration of not only the physical aspects of a community, but the people themselves. We've had decades of not providing equal educational opportunities for people living in poverty. We've had decades of racial divide and division. We've had decades of black Americans being told directly and indirectly that they're not worth the effort. After a while, my friends, this, is not, this not only takes a toll on the psyche, it manifests itself in ways that are nearly impossible to stop. Hopelessness is a real thing. <clears throat> I remember when I was growing up, I remember the robust manufacturing companies in Newark and Kearney and Harrison, here in Jersey City and Patterson. Anyone who wanted a job got a job. If you wanted to work, you could find a job. And then the manufacturing companies begin to move their operations out to the Midwest or out of the country. What we, left, what we have left are carcasses of warehouses, sometimes newly built housing that most people who need it can't afford it. There are a few low and mid-level paying jobs available to those who seek them. And when we can't find work, when we can't support our families, this simply just leads to the breakdown of the family life and in turn heightens the hopelessness. Throw in substance or alcohol abuse and that hopelessness manifests tenfold. Add the drug industry, i.e. becoming a drug dealer, into the mix and boom, some serious problems have, arose, have arisen. We have scores of young people and other people of color who feel left out, who feel looked over. They act out participating in self-destructive behavior and participating in community destructive behavior, which they know is wrong, we know is wrong, but when you don't care because you have no reason to care, this is the epitome of hopelessness. And at the end of the day, every one of us share responsibility for our passive engagement around the issues that continue to permeate these communities. 
President Obama said after the Baltimore riots that if we really want to solve these problems, if our society really wanted to solve the problem, we could. It's just that it would require everybody saying this is important, this is significant, and that we don't just pay attention when a young man gets shot or his spine has been snapped. And the President is right. We could address all of these problems if we found our collective and individual voices and spoke out about the inequities in these primarily black neighborhoods. Truth of the matter is, if we were in a white community and white children were not being educated, if white children were being stopped by police officers on a regular basis for no reason, because their hair was long, because their head was side, how quickly do you think some action would be taken? Recently, there have been these open carry laws in Florida, I think it was, it was either Florida or Texas, three white men walk down the street. One has an AK-47, two of them have sidearms. They walk down the street, not a problem in the world. Cops pass them left and right. Two days later, three black men walk down the street, one with an AK-47, two with sidearms. The first police car stops them, doesn't just stop them, throws them to the ground before one question is asked. So, when we talk about disparity in the law enforcement system, we only have to see what's right in front of our eyes. Today, the gospel story of the transfiguration is one that reminds us how much God wants us to share his glory, his love, his grace with every one of us. There are no outcasts in God's care or love for us. Everyone, everyone is equal in God's eyes. This is my beloved son, listen to him. We need to listen to Jesus. We need to pay attention to Jesus' way of living, his way of loving, his way of being. God is telling us that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only light. We need to listen to Jesus as he calls us to be a forgiving, loving, and reconciling people. But in order for this to happen, we need to allow Jesus to truly touch and heal our hearts, to bring new life into us that will allow us to know without question the unconditional grace and his unending love for us. When we come to really believe, truly believe, that Jesus' love for us is real, we can move forward with confidence and tackle the sin of racism that continues to keep us separated and divided in so many ways. There is still so much, for over, so much more for us to overcome together as a people of God. We are called to be agents of God's grace, grace in the midst of an often dark and unclean world. We are called to overcome 
by working on the continued injustices of racial and class divisions that exist among us. We must understand that we can't overcome those things that hold us back until we realize that we are called to walk hand in hand to address the issues of poverty, homelessness, unemployment that is so pervasive in our own communities here, throughout northern New Jersey, throughout New Jersey, throughout our country that we can't overcome until we ensure that every young girl, every young boy, every woman is freed from the bonds of sex trafficking and domestic violence, and that our children are protected from all abuses that we cannot overcome until we understand that until the day that we can obliterate the drug trade and help free those who have found themselves bound by alcohol and drugs, until we address the issue of gun control, until we talk and reach out to our young people and remind them that the gang life is not the only life. We are called to reach out and embrace those who struggle with mental health, disabilities, illnesses, issues. If we are to overcome together as a Christian community, as people in America, as Americans, <clears throat> we cannot be afraid to stare down those who choose to keep us down, and we must know and understand that we are not alone, that we are never alone, that God is always with us, God always gives us the strength to face and do all that needs to be done. Our fight is not over, but we can overcome it with the armor of Christ and with God's boundless love and grace. Can I ask you all to stand up? Don't get thrown off. We shall overcome. We shall overcome, we shall overcome someday. Walk deep in my heart, I do believe we shall Brothers and sisters.